PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and display your photos in a flash-free, responsive website. Try one for free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Get our latest educational guides for free. PhotoShelter.com slash resources. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Alan Murabayashi joining you from PhotoShelter World Headquarters here in New York City. You are listening to I Love Photography Live. Maybe you're watching the video of this at PhotoShelter. Oh, I'm sorry, YouTube.com slash PhotoShelter. Or you might be listening to the podcast by going to iTunes and searching for I Love Photography and subscribing to the podcast. PhotoShelter makes the best websites in the world for photographers. And as usual, I'm joined by... Sarah Jacobs. Hey, Sarah Jacobs. Hey, Alan. How you doing? You like how I put that little product promo in there? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's true. It's 100% true. So It's totally true, and we very rarely talk about photo shelter, so I thought I'd just throw that in there for people who didn't know what it was. Good. Well, and we can talk a little bit more about photo shelter, because the first thing that we wanted to share with everyone is an upcoming webinar. We do a lot of educational things at photo shelter, and we have a webinar coming up with Justin and Mary. If you've been to WPPI, you clearly know who Justin and Mary are. They're kind of they're kind of superstars. They're they're great wedding photographers who share a lot of uh, information and this webinar is on developing worth and brand as a wedding photographer. And Alan, you'll be hosting that? I will be hosting that and we have a special little giveaway as part of that. Yeah, uh, when you uh, attend the webinar, you're entered to win a Tamron lens, 24 to 70. That's like, to me, that's the perfect focal length. That's, I want that lens, and I'm really sad that I can't be entered to win the contest. <laughs> that, yeah, because you're one of those employees of Photo Shelter or Tamron. That, that whole thing, excludes you. Yes. Yeah, that whole thing. That whole thing. <laughs> um, you know, the weird thing about Tamron is, uh, you know, 10 years ago, if you asked me whether I want a Tamron lens, I would have been like, eh. Now, if you ask me, I'll take it in heartbeat. Really? Yeah. Well, what's changed for you? Well, I just think that, that the third-party lens manufacturers have, have, have decided that quality is going to be a different, differentiating factor rather than just price. They're still much cheaper than the, the, the standard camera brand lenses, but the build quality and the image quality is so significantly better. So this is actually exciting. It's not like we're giving you a, a crap lens. This is like a really, really nice lens, 24-70 from Tamron. So thank you, Tamron, for uh, helping us out with that. Yeah. I was talking to Peter Krog. Um, Peter is a well-known author of The Dam Book, the digital asset management book. And he said, yeah, I'm going to uh, South by Southwest next week, or South by, as the natives like to call it. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as uh, many people know, South by Southwest is a festival of m music, movie, and technology that takes place in Austin, Texas. Um, and as we went through, like, our 20th snowstorm yesterday in <laughs> sub-30 degree freezing weather, I was like, man, Sarah, remember the time we went to Austin? Yes. Who, yes. who organized that? Who organized that little conference we went to? We went to I love. We went to uh, excuse me. No, we went to Texas Photo Roundup, uh, organized over. by Jasmine DeFore. And check this out over on uh, Photo Shelter Lattice. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what it is, Lattice is a little curation tool that we built in Photo Shelter. Jasmine actually curated a set of photos of Austin, and I'm going through these, and I was just, I just remember like a lot of these places. Yeah. Oh man, Austin is the best. Yeah. I'm from Dallas. And the weather There's and the food. Yeah. 
It's all uh, just so good. I know I'm getting homesick just looking at this stuff. I know. There's some really nice photos here. Um, I guess also just because it's been a pretty brutal winter, as we talk about like every show. Yeah. But you know what? That's this is the new normal. Like the weather is is really weird, and so we have to talk about it before we talk about photos. It's true. Let's we talk about photos. Minds. But yeah, let's go to photos now. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm almost I'm loath to even bring this up because we've been talking about this literally for like three weeks now. Yeah. And the topic is World Press Photo Contest. There's been a lot of controversy. Every year there's controversy. I mean, contests, there's always controversy. Photojournalism contests have even more because there's always questions about manipulation and staging and all this kind of crap. When the announcement came out a few weeks ago of the winners, um, the World Press revealed that 20% of the uh, winners had been, or the penultimate round had been disqualified for manipulation. So they had some forensic guy go in there and check them out and came back to the jury and said, these are going to be eliminated because there's too much manipulation on these. So that caused a whole ruckus. How could 20% of the penultimate round? And there's, you know, people say, you got to reform this and reform that. Um, and then the mayor of a town in Belgium complained about the first place prize uh, in one of the categories. I think it was like feature story or something like that. And he said, this is not an accurate portrayal and some of this stuff has been fabricated. So then there was a whole nother brouhaha where World Press did a three-day investigation and said, no, everything's cool, even though clearly some stuff had been staged. So there was another uproar and then two days later they said, okay, we've actually retracted the prize. Not because of the staging of photos but because one of the captions incorrectly listed where the photo was taken. Oh, it was listed as the wrong town, right? It was listed as the wrong town, and they're like, okay, so that's the reason why. So, you know, whatever. I, it, it, World Press uh, unfortunately suffered some credibility loss as a result of this um, series of issues. Um, and, and again, you know, you can point the finger at World Press. I mean, I think that they could have done a better job. But on the other hand, to me, it continues to show this wide gulf uh, in understanding of what ethics is today. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I mean, you say we've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks, but actually we've been talking about this for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, this needs to get cleared up. <laughs> and, you know, I've had some private conversations with different people, different organizations, people who have been judges and whatnot, and that, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the direction that people are coming from. Like, things aren't actually getting better at all. They're actually getting worse. Like, you went from 8% disqualified last year to 20%, and then you have another series of ethical questions which people feel really uneasy about the, the rate of resolution and the type of resolution on those issues. And so something has to be done. Well, didn't you say that the for manipulation that with each jury the rules are going to be different for each year? Is that the way it works? Yeah, I mean, well, each contest has their set of rules, but the problem is that the juries, the, the, the judges themselves, there's no continuity between judges. You could literally have a whole new slate of judges from year to year. Right. And a lot of these organizations, World Press Photo, for example, doesn't actually have an ethics board. So it's a non-issue. You know, I wrote a post about this latest brouhaha, 
And I said one easy way, because I made some recommendations about how they could do it, including like create an ethics board. And I said, not not even to be funny, but I said, if if doing all of this stuff is too onerous for World Press Photo, just change the name to World Photo Contest. And people chuckled at that, like, oh, that, that's so funny, you know. But look at Sony. Sony Sony doesn't purport to be a photojournalism contest. You know some of those images are, you know, manipulated uh, beyond what would be allowable in photojournalism. And it's a great contest. Yeah, it is. We they're gave not, it four stars in our guide. Yeah, they're not operating from some weird pretense about not not weird, but you know, it's not it's not the same constraint and there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't want to work so hard to talk about ethics and outline stuff and and talk about ethics as it changes over the years because that it changes, you know, our understanding of what's ethical has changed. I believe NPPA is actually having a live Twitter chat today. Oh, hey. One, yeah, about about the ethics um, of photojournalism and these contests, so I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, all right. Enough, uh, enough with uh, World Press Photo. Uh, we hope that uh, the discussion continues. Uh, we had an inquiry. Do you remember who sent us that note? Which which one? About C University. Well, was it Jeremy himself? No, it wasn't Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I think it was one of our Photo Shelter users. I I, uh, I apologize. I I don't have the email in front of me. But somebody said, "Hey, what what's up with C University?" So I checked it out. I said, "Hey, what's you know?" I'd seen some stuff floating around on the web. C University as an S E E. University is a new educational website from Jeremy Cower, the f celebrity photographer who has been hailed by the Huffington Post as the most influential photographer online today. So let me tell you what I found on C University. C University is currently something like 75 educational videos on a variety of topics, all taught by Jeremy. The annual membership for C University is 407, let's go down here, I think $497. Oh, I yeah, that's for the basic tier. For the basic, which is all the videos. Uh, lifetime gives you lifetime access, and then VIP is like he'll show up at your house and you know cook you dinner and talk to you about photography. <laughs> for, let's forget about VIP package, because of course it's like, you know, that's not what most people are going to go for. So do I think that this is a, a good value? Okay, so first of all, I haven't, I didn't join, so I haven't seen the actual educational content, but I've seen Jeremy Cowart videos before, and I saw the, I've watched the trailer, the two trailers that he has up there. Super high quality, like the guy's a good educator. The video production um, is very very high, and four hundred ninety seven dollars is a great deal. This is one of many. This is one of not many. I mean, there's a many educational places online where you can learn photography. Mm -hmm. This is one of a handful where I think that the price is right and the content quality is good and he's going to continue to make videos. I, I, Sarah, you know I love champagne. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking an <laughs> online champagne course that is, I think it's maybe 12 courses, 12 individual classes, and it's like 500 bucks. Okay. So this is a ton more content much better produce arguably than the champagne course I'm taking. Right. So I think it's a good deal. Now what are the downsides of this? First of all, well this is this is an ad hominem attack on Jeremy. He's he's a little bit of a self-promoter. So but it's fine. 
you know, I think that's that <laughs> that's fine. He's <laughs> ability, but he's always like, "Hey, I'm the most influential photographer on the web." So, yeah. okay, so but b besides that, the only other issue compared to some of the other online education options out there is that everything is taught by Jeremy. So you're not really getting a diverse viewpoint if you think that's important. Now, it's like any class you take, whether it's a yoga class or you're taking a continuing ed class or you take a photography class. What you get out of the class is really, you know, your commitment to the class and how good the teacher is. You could take the same yoga class from two different teachers teaching the exact same sequence of poses and one could suck and one could be awesome. So I think the quality of the teacher is very important and I think Jeremy's a good teacher. Yeah, I think you have to really appreciate and like Jeremy's look and style and that, that's what you're going to get out of Seat University is a Jeremy style. Exactly. And, yeah. that, and his style isn't for everyone. Right, right. And, and this, clearly, if you're a nature photographer, you're not going to sign up for this. Right, no. This is for portrait portrait people, lifestyle and portrait. So, hey, 500 bucks, you know, and his point is compared to the price of going to, like, photo school. Yeah, which, I like Which that. is totally true. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's right. That's off the wall. But I do find it interesting that he compares it directly to going to an art school. I, I don't know that you can do that. I mean, well, if you go to art school, you're going to make so many connections. It's that's true. Life. That's true. But, yeah. but, but, but part of that, too, is having an art degree, like having a BFA, I don't think ever did anyone any favors. Like, does anyone ever, you know, it's different if you're like a doctor or a lawyer or a, or a CEO that, oh, you went to Harvard Business School or you went to Stanford Business School. But right. no one's ever hired a photographer and said, oh. Well, you, went to, you went to <laughs> SBA. Okay, I'll hire you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so congratulations on getting that out. Uh, and, and by the way, he dedicated the site to his brother who passed away of a heart attack suddenly last year. So our, our hearts go out to that. That's a, a very nice dedication uh, for Jeremy. There has been a set of photos that had gone around, um, and they said these are incredibly realistic <laughs> computer-generated imagery. And so you look at this picture of the pen, and you're like, "Oh my god, look at that shading! Look at the look at the <laughs> out of focus areas in the shallow depth of field." And here's one of an Oreo. So people went like crazy, um, and then the photographer or the person who posted them came out and said, "Well." They look so realistic because they, they are. They're just photos. <laughs> They're just regular photos. <laughs> so it's the Tumblr account Hyper Real CG by the artist David O'Reilly and Kim Lofton. And it's just it's I mean, funny. Even, they even fooled Huffington Post Tech, which honestly, they should have done their research. Like, but, come you on. Know, Huffington Post will post anything, so you know. That you know, it, I know, but it's then. just another. I know it's just another thing where it's like, man, you journalists do a little bit of back research know, before you I publish know. stuff. I know. So he, you know, he started tweeting. David started tweeting. It was a joke, uh, and then he posted this, you know, uh, fire hydrant here with his shadow in it. His, his own shadow taking the cell phone picture. Yeah, it's 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 a funny hoax, um, and but you know. To me, the larger issue is at a certain point, like computers and computer artists are so good, you can't tell the difference. So 
at some point these conversations are going to be irrelevant. True. At least for at least for the rendering of a still photo. When we're fooled by motion and like a person's face and artificial intelligence, then we have to worry. But in Oreo cookie, I'm not, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm not freaking out over it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stock photos, you know it was a big week in stock photos on the web. What happened? Well, we saw we saw the photos uh, that Vince Vaughn put out for oh, yeah. <laughs> the promo of his new movie. Yes. Which were very funny. But we're not going to share those because everybody saw those already. We talked about a set of photos that the uh, COO of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, worked with Getty to create the Lean In stock photo collection based on her book, Lean In. And she helped curate, or I'm not exactly sure what her contribution was to this. But she said, hey, let's, let's create a set of uh, photography that's empowering to women, that's contemporary in style. And yeah, so that they, they represents different types of women, and the, the, women. yeah, and the new <laughs> new women. <laughs> so here are the three top selling photos from the Lean In collection, from Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In collection on Getty Images. The first one is uh, the caption is two friends riding in the backseat of convertible off-road vehicle driving on desert dirt road at sunset laughing. Is that even English? That's weird. That's weird construction. Yeah, that is a strange caption. Nice, nice photo. <laughs> Great photo. <laughs> Great photo. Here's the next one. Uh, no, uh, two friends. No, oh, wait, wait, wait. Caption for this one. Well, I don't have a caption for this one. It's uh, a man and a woman, uh, in like a warehouse setting or a studio setting, looking at a bunch of shoes that have been laid out on the ground. They're obviously fashion designers of of some sort. So, black man, middle-aged woman, being hipsterish and looking at shoes. <laughs> Uh, and then the third photo is uh, a very stylized, i.e. filtered and photoshopped, image of a woman looking out of a glass window with oh, yeah, the sunset streaming through the window. Yeah, you got some lens flare going on there. Her hands oh, are on her right. hips looking powerful. She, got, she has short sleeves, a uh, short sleeve blouse on, which is, I think, significant in that you know, she's not like a stuffy businesswoman like we see in so much stock. Yeah, which is great. And But you know what? The the weird thing about this stuff, and maybe just because I get, I, I'm not afraid to say I'm kind of liberal. None of this stuff really was very shocking to me. Oh no, yeah, no? yeah. It's it's actually it's just very contemporary, nice looking stock. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really get the sense of like these women are powerful, but maybe maybe it's there. Maybe I'm just used to. My mom's a very strong personality, so maybe <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about myself. <laughs> That's it. That's it, Alan. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm pro. I'm pro this. I'm pro good contemporary stock photography, and this is in general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's cool. Over on Slate, a really nice set of photos of moms and their daughters, taken by the photographer Rania Matar, who worked as an architect, and then started taking photos. And, uh, you know, these are really, really nice, naturally lit portraits. Yeah, they're beautiful. They they remind me, I feel like we've looked at a few series of daughters with their dads, you know. Yeah, or the daughters. weird one, the weird one that we oh, looked yeah. at. Oh, yeah, that was super oh, weird. Yeah, uh, purity ball ones. Yes, the purity ball. <laughs> that was bizarre. This is way more, way more natural and relatable for the general public. 
these these so she's she's Lebanese and so she travels back and forth between the US and Lebanon and she takes photos and I gotta say I mean there is a lot of emotion embedded in these images and the other thing which I mean we all we all see this obviously the, these people are related you really see the physical characteristics that are similar and and there's something almost there's something a little bittersweet about these images for me. Mm -hmm. I, th I think because you kind of see a passage of time. Um, particularly, you know, it's one thing to have a teenage daughter and kind of a middle-aged woman, but the this this one above of obviously like an older woman who may or may not uh, have all her faculties with her um, and her daughter. And you can see her the daughter's red eyes like welled up. Like mm -hmm. that's that like kind of kills me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting for the, all the images she chose, you kind of, because there are some daughters, right, like you said, that are teenagers, and their body language towards their mothers is totally different than the <laughs> older daughters, right? Like, yeah. and, but then I love the, the relation, seeing the relationship through how the women are touching if they're holding hands, some yeah. are lying on the bed together. Um, that really gives you an insight into how close and physically comfortable they feel with their moms. It's It's a real slice of of who they might be. It's it's great. I, I really like her work. I remember her series, um, Girl in Her Room. Do you remember that? Mm, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's some of her earlier work, and it was just portraits of just girls, teenage girls in their rooms. But I, I really feel like her work has gotten a lot stronger, and I, I really love this series. She's a great photographer. And yeah. this image, I mean, you see how the, the mom and daughter, first of all, they look like they could be sisters. And second Absolutely. of all, they're dressed the same, you know? Yeah. A lot of similarities there. So... Really, really nice stuff, Rania. Love it. You found this nice piece uh, in the New York Times magazine about Jim Krantz. And if you don't know who Jim Krantz is, he's the guy who shot the Marlboro Man ads that were subsequently appropriated by Richard Prince. <laughs> we're not we're not the biggest fan of Richard Prince. <laughs> yeah, I I put this one on the dog, Alan, because I know you're you you've kind of spoken about about how you're not super into Richard Prince and that, you know, it's not fair to the photographers that he's that he's ripped off, and used. And I'm I'm happy to see that Jim Krantz is now going to get some recognition for his his work shooting cowboys out in the West. He's going to have his own show. At, his own show. Yeah, his own show, which is which is fantastic here in New York at the. James Danziger Gallery. So, and let me tell you, I was looking at some of these images, and seeing them online, I'm sure just doesn't do them justice because you are looking at these epic landscapes of the American West, and in a lot of cases, like this photo that we're looking at, the 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 photo of the cowboy, and his horse in many cases is very very small in the frame, and to really appreciate. A sense of scale. I think you need to see this thing on the wall. Yeah. You know, as a twenty-foot print. I'm gonna have to stop by. Yeah, I know. It's 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 some really really nice work. And as you said, I'm psyched that Jim finally got some like his own show. I mean, people knew who he was because of the brouhaha. I keep using that word over the <laughs> over the fracas with <laughs> Richard Prince, but it's great to see him get a show. All the links that we're talking about today you can find on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. I mean, it's nice to listen to our mellifluous voices, but it's also nice to look at the photography. So right. We can't we describe it that, that much. <laughs> yeah.
PDN has a great interview with Pam Chen, one of my favorite people. She's the uh, editorial director at Instagram, formerly of MediaStorm and National Geographic. I got to see Pam at the National Geographic Photographers Conference in January, and she's just a lovely, lovely person. And this was a pretty insightful interview about how they find uh, photographers and photography to showcase in the Instagram Instagram account. Yeah, she talked a lot about what what they look for when they're figuring out who to feature. Um, and she actually mentioned, that, you know, that no, you don't have to have a gazillion billion followers already on your own in order to be featured. A lot of it is just how you engage with your followers, um, how you engage them in conversation, you know, to expand, she says, to expand their impact beyond the initial visual communication. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and you know, it, it echoed a lot of things that we've talked about before, which is the story behind the photo is arguably as important, if not more important, than the photo itself. Mm -hmm. and I think that's in part, I mean, they showcase a lot of great photography, but they also showcase illustrators and people who are just doing things in their community and capturing things on their photography. Um, two of the people that she mentioned, the first is uh, Matt Slaby. Yeah, shout out uh, to Matt. Hey, Matt Slaby. What's up, at Matt Slaby? A uh, great friend of Photo Shelter. He's spoken at some of our conferences. He's contributed to a bunch of guides and blog posts and whatnot. Uh, follow that guy. And then the second one, Kiara Goya. Um, she actually worked at Photo Shelter uh, many moons ago as a no photo way. editor. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, rad. I'll have to follow her. Yeah, totally. She's got some really, really nice stuff. So this is, a, if, if you want to learn a little bit more about how they find people, and and Pamela said, you know, we, we find a photographer, then we see who they're following, and then we kind of go down this rabbit hole. And then, you know, if you're followed by a great photographer, then maybe you'll be found as well because there's that, they're, they're finding people very organically. They're just trying to find some great content. The next piece uh, of photography that we're looking at is uh, Instagram by a photographer filmmaker named Atif Atik. I have something to tell you about Atif. What's that? Atif also worked for Photo Shelter as a photo editor. No way. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of the former employees of Photo Shelter. Um, but Atif is photographing the Desi Muslim community in New York City. Atif also just recently got married, and he was live tweeting his marriage. I think that's what it was. Live tweeting his marriage. Live tweeting his marriage or his wedding day? His wedding, his wedding. His okay, actual, okay. His actual ceremony. <laughs> is, there, is there a difference? I don't know. But okay. anyway, back to this uh, photography project. Some, you know, I knew at the time he's a really, really great photographer. And he was doing kind of a mix of uh, cool, you know, the cool scene in New York City. Um, as well as doing some more serious portraiture. And this is kind of the stuff that he's posting on Instagram now. Some really, really nice images of the Muslim community. And all black and white. And I don't know whether he shot... I mean, it looks like he might have shot it on film. I don't know. I can't tell. Um, but it looks like a lot of it could have been framed originally for 6x6. Because it's uh, some really, really nice stuff. That's on BuzzFeed, a teeth, man. Wow, BuzzFeed pulling in some good, good work there. Know. You know, they've had some really, really good work. Some of the stuff yeah. on Ukraine and, and, and whatnot, some really 
uh, great photography. The New Yorker, uh, obviously known for their long-form journalism pieces, but they do have the photo booth uh, section, and they've had some really, really great photography. Avedon, of course, being one of their staff photographers before he passed away. Um, but in this particular uh, project portfolio, it's a Coney Island winter with photography by Yoongi Kim of Contact Press Images. Yoongi, we've talked about her before because she's a hardcore uh, veteran photojournalist who's covered a lot of wars and a lot of dicey situations around the world. Um, but she's been hanging in the U.S. for a while, and she went out to Coney Island during winter. Let me tell you something about Coney Island. What's that? It's a very over-photographed place, as is much of New York. Yeah, true. But there's a lot of people who got to Coney Island under the guise of being street photographers and take some really crappy photos of Coney Island, <laughs> right? And it's it's actually super interesting to see such a good photographer go out there and and not at a time of year uh, that a lot of people visit and just kind of kill it. It's like great. Yeah, this is such a, a breath of fresh air from, from her other work, which is hard to look at. You know, this is just kind of fun. And it's nice to see these, like, quiet images uh, of Coney Island when, yeah, no one's really there. Everyone's wearing scarves and hats. It's bizarre. <laughs> uh, and I'm also digging the black and white. Yeah. I'm yeah. not always the biggest fan of black and white, but this is really, I think, time of year uh, as well as kind of influencing why I like it. Uh, and black and white as well. Um, I love this so shot. Really, oh, yeah. Great shot. Uh, some really, really nice stuff. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about <laughs> this. <laughs> You've probably seen it because it, it went viral this uh, past week. But it's a uh, photo of a weasel riding on the back of a flying woodpecker. And there was some concern at first of whether this was a fake photo staged or CG'd or whatnot. And it turns out it's a real photo, and the guy has a sequence. I think there might even be a movie. But he was hanging out. Let's find his name. He was hanging out in London, uh, and Martin LeMay walking through a park. And uh, he saw something scrambling, and so he picked up his camera, and he <laughs> shot a photo. And when he looked at it later on, he realized... There was a weasel on the back of a woodpecker. <laughs> <laughs> so, the cutest friendship I've ever seen. I mean, it's weird. So apparently they were, you know, the, the weasels are known to jump on things and woodpeckers are known to take off and <laughs> they were in flight for a few seconds and the woodpecker came down and the weasel got off. And, uh, <laughs> he was like, this is my stop. Let me down. Yeah, it's just crazy. See, look, I'm I'm glad he watermarked it because we we all know this photo went went viral. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> loving it. I'm loving the photo. Yeah. So here here's part of nature. It's a uh, serendipitous scene in nature. Martin didn't stage anything. He was just in a park walking with his wife, and he had his camera, and he pulled it up, and he and he and he photographed it. This is over on Petapixel, but it's been covered. Also on Petapixel, kind of in reaction to this photo, they republished uh, an older article. And here was a photo of a frog riding on the back of a beetle that came out uh, like a year ago or something. 
See, this is not as cute. Okay, me. so let me tell you something about this photo. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so first of all, it's not as cute because maybe bugs aren't as cute as um, woodpeckers. Right. Animals, but they, a lot of people were concerned about this photo being staged. And so they went to amphibian scientists. And the amphibian scientists immediately said, that frog is in distress. That oh. is not a natural pose. The mouth should not be open. The hands wouldn't be like that. Right. And they raised all of these objections, like would the frog jump on the beetle? Would the mouth remain open? And so the hypothesis is that the frog was in a lot of distress, and I don't know whether it had been drugged or something, but this is not natural for the frog. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, as it should, and that's really that's really kind of screwed up. Like, oh, well, the photographer, to his credit, said this was a staged photo, but what's the point? Oh, so, okay, this was staged. This was staged, oh, and this wait. was entered into a contest, the Sony contest, shortlisted. Uh-huh. And then concerns, well, I'm sorry, a similar photo was entered uh, in the Sony contest of a frog on a beetle. And again, there were a lot of concerns about the veracity of the photo, uh, even in the Sony contest. Hmm. Well, maybe that's normal. For Leave frogs. the frogs alone, man. <laughs> they have enough problems with all the chemicals in the water. Just let them be. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Let's <laughs> end on a happier note. <laughs> We love the woodpecker. We don't like the frog. Right. <laughs> um, lastly today, more animals. We always end on an interesting note. And here, well, this isn't the... Uh, you're looking at a photo of a, of a silverback gorilla, but this isn't the photo in question. The photo in question is a bunch of photographers who were out uh, taking photos of a gorilla. And the gorilla came up and punched the photographer. So here, here you have a photo of all these photographers around this silverback gorilla, who's like the dominant male. You see him approaching the group, and then he attacks the photographer. He just grabs onto his hand and camera. And so some people were saying what had happened was the gorilla was eating on bamboo, and he got drunk from the bamboo. So this goes viral, right? Everyone's like, oh my god, the gorilla got right. drunk on bamboo. So right. of course They're like drunk gorilla photos. Check yeah. it out. <laughs> so of course he punched the photographer because everybody knows gorillas <laughs> eat bamboo and they get drunk, right? Everyone's a freaking gorilla expert all the time. <laughs> and then a few days later, gorilla experts actually come out and they say, uh, no, you don't get drunk from eating bamboos. And, you know, like an 800-pound gorilla does not get drunk from I mean, he's not 800 pounds, but he's he's he he's might a big be up gorilla. there. He's up there. He's up there. Um, but so debunked. Yeah, debunked. He he actually was just really agitated and pissed off at all the photographers. As as you should be, because you got all these photographers going around. Yeah. Yep. Um, telemarketers have been calling that phone all day long, and I should have unplugged it, but but there you go. So apologies <laughs> for the ringing there. Um, you know, the internet is great because of that fast distribution of information, but then you got to deal with all of this crap. Yeah, fake CGI photo, claiming to be CGI. <laughs> <laughs> Gorillas claiming to be drunk. 
Yeah. Uh, frogs claiming stage to stage frogs. Stage frogs. I mean, we've looked at so many fake things today. <laughs> but one in four, you get the weasel on the woodpecker. It, and then that just brightens your entire week. And I feel great about that. And I and I would suggest that more things jump on the back of woodpeckers. Oh, we we <laughs> yeah. we forgot to bring up the one parody image. Somebody photoshopped uh, Vladimir Putin on the back of that woodpecker because he's been known to ride some wild beasts. So the shirtless <laughs> Vladimir Putin on the woodpecker. That was a very funny tweet. That was well, it's included on the blog. Yes, we will we'll include that on the blog. Uh, so we went from... Uh, oh, we covered the gamut of photography as always. Yeah. But hey, you people out there in internet land who love photography, register for that Justin and Mary uh, webinar over on the PhotoShelter website. Uh, details on blog.photoshelter.com and you might win that sweet Tamron lens, 24 to 70. And with that, Sarah, we'll see you next time. All right, sounds good. Jacobs, this is Alan Rabayashi signing off. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.